Hi guys, welcome back to the Let God podcast. You're here with me, Wanipa. Me, Mary Hannah. And me, Aifa. <laughs> Hi guys, welcome back and everything. We hope that you guys are very blessed and highly favoured as always. Um, today, the topic that we're getting into is it's a bit of a sticky one still. We're going to be talking about church power structures, um, power dynamics, hierarchies, that sort of thing. And we're going to get into some topics like church hurt and influence. Um, so it's going to be meaty. It's going to be a tricky conversation in a lot of ways. But as always, like we just try to approach everything with uh, grace, truth and, you know, let God do the talking and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you know, before we get into it, we like to have a word of prayer. Um, Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight and this opportunity that we have to um, just meet with one another and share your heart as it comes to your church and the church family and community and leadership. And we ask that um, your Holy Spirit would continue to be our wisdom in this conversation and that um, you would help what we say to be insightful and just true to your heart and true to your intention for us as young people and as members of um, a wider church community and our individual church communities. And we pray that our listeners, as well as ourselves as individuals, will be blessed through this conversation, Father. In your name I have prayed. Amen. 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 So before we get into the meat of the topic, you know, we like to open with a little icebreaker. And for those of you who don't know, on our Instagram channel, which is at Let God Podcast, by the way, follow us. And <laughs> every um, Saturday, we like to do a little Instagram story game. And recently, we've been getting a little bit more creative and like hearing you guys' thoughts on a lot of things. And so for some of our icebreakers, we're going to be like discussing the answers to that. So plug if you want to be kept in the loop follow us on instagram so that you can join the conversation um but we wanted to talk about a game that we did the other week which was so funny and shout out to mh for coming up with this genius idea (laughs) the game was called who you calling and basically what it was is that we came up with some scenarios and then we gave you the option to choose one of two bible characters like who you would call to help you out in the situation And some of the responses we got was so funny, like in our DMs. (laughs) And I thought that maybe it would be good to just discuss some of the fave answers that that came out and what we thought of Mm -hmm. them. Um, I have the um, stories up, by the way. So I'm going to be picking my favorites because I'm (laughs) controlling the narrative here. But firstly, I want to have a serious word with the 45% of people that said, if they were going on holiday to do water sports, they would call Peter instead of Jonah. Mm. I was so Peter confused about that. <laughs> Literally, no, even like, the one who sunk. Peter was barely on the water for two minutes before he started dripping and drowning. And you want to call him to to dive in Bali with you? Like, are you all right? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. <laughs> I thought Jonah was such like a smart contender like he was really in the belly of a whale like he would have known about like deep water you know Mm. he just he knows what's going on a little bit that's the thing that's the thing he was actually underneath you know what i mean but he was also eaten so i didn't (laughs) (laughs) either of them are promising I feel like Jonah's more promising though. No, I, really I feel do. like Jonah's because more they, promising. The, the whale or whatever the fish was, a large fish would have spat him out. He would have still had to swim to shore. And I know Peter mm. was a fisherman, but still, I feel like when push comes to shove. But could, even though he was a fisherman, like, could he swim? Like, just yes, based could. off that passage. No, but then why did he start flailing and drowning when he stopped because walking it was a on the storm water? On the sea. <laughs> <laughs> If 
be such a competent swimmer, then why, why didn't he manage? <laughs> Sorry, Peter and Jonah, but I'm personally signing with Jonah. I no, I'm, I'm definitely with Jonah. Jonah, as well. Jonah is making a lot more sense. And also, one thing about Jonah, Jonah wasn't afraid. Because you mm. remember, like, he was even on the ship, the, win- the winds and the waves was crashing, <laughs> and he actually said, throw me in. <laughs> he was... <laughs> and that's, that's when so he now got... when you think about it. another one which i found really funny was you've decided to embark on your natural hair journey you need some hair growth tips who you calling and obviously one of the options was samson and the other one was esau samson won by a mile but who would you Mm -hmm. guys be calling samson 100 esau was just a hairy man yeah esau (laughs) just gives me like he's just a bit he needs a bath you know i need (laughs) you know what whenever i think about (laughs) She said Esau is a dirty pig. <laughs> Whenever I think of Esau, like I just think of his hairy arms and I'm just like, literally that's not desirable to me. Literally I just same. think of it. No, because you know when um obviously Jacob came to now deceive his dad. Yes, he put exactly like the, the wool on the arms. I thought, so you have hair that feels like lamb's wool. <laughs> <laughs> that's giving tough problem. Tea. It's Problem. getting tufty. As in yeah. a literal sweater could be made of your bodily hair, right? No, think. Nah. that's not appropriate. <laughs> that's not appropriate for me. But then like our friend Tosin sent such a funny message. She was like, Samson would be like the just drink water equivalent of the natural hair community. Mm-hmm. Like he just seems Hundred. like the sort of person who's like, the girls that get it, get it. Like I can't Hundred. give you any tips. And I don't, I don't like that from him. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys, should we discuss one more? Maybe, do you guys remember yeah. any of them which made you laugh? Um, can you read out some of the, some of the options or what had them like closest in terms of like oh, closest split? Okay. okay, this one was really close. The scenario was your podcast blows up and now the paparazzi are always in your business. You need a bodyguard, <laughs> who are you calling? David or Samson? And the votes were quite tied. I, Samson. that's really, I think Samson too. Because I feel like David, David I mean, I feel like David was like, he was diligent, which made him skilled. Mm. But Samson was just a big man. So he was just like (laughs) on job. Do you know what I mean? Like, he's just like, he's ready for anything. No, that part. But as well, it's like, do you want your bodyguard to be so fickle that his dreadlocks getting cut off is making him weak and blind and <laughs> just one pretty girl and one he eyes are distracted. No, literally, like he takes his so eyes true. off the prize. And That's also the one. thing is like after David was in the palace, like and he was only eating his greens and pulses, <laughs> did he not become <laughs> strong and mighty? Like I just That's feel true. like he would have some, you know like a bit of chest. A hard I mean? chest and mm-hmm. bicep and <laughs> You know, that's what I need in a bodyguard. <laughs> I don't know. They're both very worthy contenders, I think, to be honest. It depends on what I you're looking so. for. I, I'd hire them both. I'll be so honest. Yeah. I hire them both. That's double, not the double question. Double the protection. <laughs> I'm not just saying you break one. the rules. Uh, okay, I'm going to choose. I feel like I still stick with Samson. He, in this day and age, he should have put his hair up. Like, come on, have some decorum. <laughs> I feel like... I'm thinking too deeply into like their whole demise. I'll pick Samson before the demise. Mm-hmm. It, Samson in his prime, no one was touching clear. him. Clear. Yeah, clear. <laughs> Anyways, folks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
that brings our little icebreaker to an end like i said before make sure that you follow us on instagram so you can join in on the games and know what we're talking about um but now let's get into this week's topic which is power structures in the church Mm. now this is this a meaty topic and there's a lot that could be covered but i think this is just going to be like a a a little surface dive as it were yeah um Mm -hmm. but i guess i'll just kind of start off with a broad question which Mm -hmm. is kind of maybe let's just like snowball if you guys have any initial thoughts on power structures in the church or leadership structures the way things are done i think my own my first initial thought about like leadership in the church is that like it's such a big responsibility Mm. and then like scripture tells us that like leadership is servanthood um in matthew 20 25 to 28 i've got the verse up here so let me just find it um kings and those with great authority in this world in this world rule oppressively over their subjects like tyrants but this is not your calling you will lead by a completely different model the greatest one among you will live as the one who is called to serve others because the greatest honor and authority is is reserved for the one with the heart of a servant for even the son of man did not come expecting to be served but to serve and give his life in exchange for the salvation of many and i think when you have platforms like when church becomes when your church or a congregation becomes like a large platform that goes beyond like your community or your state it kind mm-hmm. of it can become content leadership and like the position that somebody holds can become a little bit more difficult um because not only are you like having to be a servant but you're also having to function as like a very public figure which comes with Mm. certain i guess pressures and responsibilities and i think that's where i can imagine a lot of people find the most stress or encounter the most stumbling blocks so i think that's like my initial thought on like leadership within the church Mm. Mm. yeah i think the bible uses a lot of um what's it called imagery about Mm. um the shepherd and the sheep and i think leadership is goes beyond just leading people the right way but the type of love and trust Mm. the sheep should have for you as a shepherd and the type of love that you as a shepherd should have for people Mm. is similar to how god like looks at us yeah i think when people put themselves in those shoes it could help a lot Mm. Mm. definitely i definitely agree with what both of you have said like firstly about the responsibility like that that comes with and the mandate to kind of be a steward and a servant primarily and i think that like obviously like the bible is full of examples of congregations and groups of believers believers sorry having leadership and i think it's something that's important for kind of uh guidance and direction and kind of unity and steering and i think when it is done like you said ayante from a place of unconditional love and servanthood it's something that's really beneficial because it it like leaders can be great teachers they can be motivators they can inspire people i think it's when kind of the sin of pride is allowed mm-hmm. to to fester and i think there's there's two sides to it like there's the pride from the part of the leader but then also when that leadership kind of morphs into idolatry and then yeah. perhaps mm-hmm. congregations can start to view that leader as more than what they are which is a servant of god and a servant to the flock as well 
Um, yeah. And I, I remember having a discussion in, in summer school and uh, we were just talking about how the, the components of our relationship with God, which show us or, or give recognition to the fact that Jesus is Lord as well as Savior are like worship, sacrifice, adoration, those sort of things. Mm. But we're able to, to give those things to God freely because he first loved us and because mm-hmm. he's already paid the ultimate sacrifice and he was the ultimate service servant for us. But it's mm-hmm. like, if you then direct those things to other people, it, it it's not working because it's not coming yeah. from a pure place. Like you shouldn't worship someone else. You shouldn't sacrifice to someone in a way that's kind of like the borders on idol- to, yeah then borders on idolatry or they're mm-hmm. able to manipulate and so i think mm-hmm. it's definitely a fine a fine line yeah i agree i have a question for you guys on the on the line like along the lines of what we've just said how do you feel about terms like <clears throat> excuse me i just had to clear my throat spiritual parents spiritual father spiritual mother within mm. a like church context how do you feel about that do you have any scriptural stuff about it preferences both the language and the actual like function you can answer either or well i was actually looking this up today it was something that i've been thinking about it's not something that i kind of grew up being used to in my in my church in my spiritual upbringing but i do know a lot of people that have or say they have spiritual fathers and and that sort of thing or like even just people that might call their pastor daddy and stuff like that and I think I understand it but I think again it's a thing of uh, being careful and drawing limits because I think the imagery of parent and child already creates a certain dynamic which I think can be vulnerable to exploitation and that's not to be cynical and to assume that these people are automatically going to abuse their position of course like you know leaders like both in church and out of it are appointed by god and i do believe like and i like to believe that they have purest of intentions um but i was also i found i came across this scripture um matthew 23 and it begins in verse 9 and and basically like in it jesus says and call no man your father on earth you have one father who's in heaven neither be called instructors for you have one instructor the christ the greatest among you shall be your servant whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted um but woe unto you scribes and pharisees hypocrites for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in and i don't think this is necessarily saying that no one should be referred to as a spiritual father, like as in that the title itself is bad. But I think the reason that he began by saying that is like, no one should exalt themselves so high above anyone as to kind of cement their superiority. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it's just remembering in all things that ultimately like we all submit to God as like the the author and finisher of everything. Um, And I found this commentary from, the MacArthur Study Bible, and it says, um, here Jesus condemns pride and pretense, not titles per se. Christ is merely forbidding the use of such names as spiritual titles or in an ostentatious sense that accords undue spiritual authority to a human being as if he were a source of the truth rather than God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, what do you guys think? Uh, I 
I've heard the titles but in terms of like my father and the Lord as like someone you look up to mm. that type mm. of thing but then there's been recently when it's like people calling their pastors daddy and all of that stuff and like father um I think it is very important as well as like when Ipa rightly spoke about um the positions being able to allowing exploitation to happen just also as congregation members or like people who go to church um also enforcing boundaries for mm. ourselves so that mm. we're not putting these people on pedestals in a high esteem yeah. yeah because as as much as it as much as it can be bad for like you as yourself like it can be a lot of pressure for the people themselves yeah. and that's why pastors can like be going through marriage issues and they'll just end up that their them and their wife just randomly get divorced but it's because they haven't been to marriage counseling as they're mm-hmm. scared they of feel people like judging can't. them yeah yeah that type of thing mm. so i think it's important to know like why you've put that person in that position Mm-hmm. And not just to also, also like follow the crowd because this person calls a pastor, the father and the Lord, then I have to as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I 100% agree. I think I've never heard it, I never heard terms specifically like spiritual father, spiritual dad, things of that nature in like my own church congregations, but it's something I've heard more recently like in the online space, um, cultural and non cultural context. I might, in my personal opinion, I would never in my life use a term, but that's just for me. Um, I think that's also because of how I view, like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I just dropped something. I think that's just also how I view, like, familial terms as well. I'm not the sort of person to be like, oh, she's my sister, just because, like, we're really close. Like, if I had a friend that, I, like, my mm. best friend, you know what I mean? Uh, I wouldn't be like, oh, she's, like, her mum to me. If it's, like, my friend's mom or an aunt that I'm close with, like, my mom is my mom and my sister is my sister, do you know what I mean? And my dad is my dad. So that's just how I feel about terms like that. Um, But I feel like... I was trying to think of, like, examples in scripture where we could say that people have, like, a spiritual child, spiritual father relationship. And the first thing that came to mind was Samuel and Eli. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think when I was reading... I think it's first... Is it first Samuel? I just literally read it. It's first Samuel 2 might be second Samuel um, anyway somewhere in Samuel um one of them where it talks about like when Samuel's first hearing from God and he goes to Eli like did you call me blah 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 mm-hmm. um like right at the beginning of that chapter there's the introduction that like nobody had heard from God for a minute like God's voice was very precious at the time so obviously mm-hmm. Eli is like the prophet is so kind of I guess like humbling to to say it that way that Samuel was hearing from God at a point where God's voice was quote unquote scarce and so that just made me think about the fun not only the function but the character of spiritual parents like in mm. as much as it's like yes somebody who is you know you admire maybe in the faith in terms of their character and their wisdom I think there's something to also be said about um one practical things like their age and like they're the distance that they haven't experienced from you because i think if you for me personally if i adopted the term spiritual parent for somebody who was only like in the same sort of generation age gap as me i feel like that sort of um not would be reductive i just feel like it might not offer the necessary wisdom that a term like that would warrant i hope that Mm. makes sense i just feel Mm. like 
when I see it in scripture, at least looking at Samuel and Eli, like there was a quite a big chasm in their age bracket, which meant that like certain, I guess certain boundaries couldn't be crossed. And also they had certain understandings opposed to like, if you're quote unquote spiritual parent, it's like an older sister, an older brother, one. The second thing I was saying about character wise is just like your spiritual parent, I think on the same, along the same lines of age just has to be, have a certain maturity that they mm. operate out of. Um, mm-hmm. and that maturity is not necessarily just born of the fact that they're like a deacon or a deaconess or a reverend or a prophetess, right. um, or they've received the gift of X, Y, Z within your church context. I think mm-hmm. it's something that's a lot more like intentional and like precious than that. And so I think that's why, apart from like the actual semantics of like spiritual dad, spiritual mom, I think that's why I'd be very hesitant to adopt the term in my own life. I just think it requires like a, a lot of intentionality and like, this is something God definitely said, or right. this is someone God has definitely aligned my life with at this moment beyond a like, I work with you within the church context, you work with me or you're my mentor. Um, Cause a mentor is a good word to use, you know, your mentor can be <laughs> someone older, younger than you career, like in the same career, whatever. It just depends on like what you need from them and what they're offering to you at a specific time. Um, but yeah, that that's what I've got to say about that. Mm. Um, I think, or well, in addition to what you said, I think, um, the phrase can be can be good sometimes. We should be sensitive and mm. know when things can cross over into like a parasocial, like one way type relationship. Yes. Where it's like you look up to this person as your spiritual father or but there's no accountability type thing. Mm. Right. Because even if you use the example of Eli and Samuel, there was a two way relationship in mm. which they were honest and they had that trust and it had been built up over years. Yeah. And it's, especially in this age of like internet and like every sermon and pastors very much accessible in the internet to not put this that same degree and try to emulate it over someone who doesn't even know you type mm. of thing because mm. you can't have the same level of accountability. Mm. And I think that's, that's so good. That really ties in well with what you said before about kind of when you put that le- level of like idolization onto someone, i.e., like designating someone as your quote spiritual father or your leader, even though you don't know them personally, it's kind of like you don't give them room to be flawed or to be human yeah. because once mm-hmm. their world breaks, your whole thing shatters. And that's why I think it rocks some people so much when, you know, maybe it's an internet pastor that they feel very connected to, but don't personally know, like when there's something that happens in their personal life, like obviously I'm not here to comment either way, but it's of like, I'm not here to cast judgment on individual like scandals and things that come out about pastors, quote unquote, but it's also like, did God ever say that by virtue of having this title or position that that person became perfect? Or did he just, you know, designate them to be qualified for that, for that role? Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or or did he give them a message and a a gift and a calling? And it's sort of like, now your own faith is rocked because they did something wrong, but they're also on a journey and them being a leader to you doesn't mean that they're supposed to be perfect automatically. Um, And it's also kind of then... I think it's just you being accountable to yourself and realizing like these people are can be steers and guides, but ultimately like your focus 
and the center of your moral code should be God himself and you should be yeah. like seeking to connect to the source and and not just taking everything that people say as bond because you view them in such high esteem mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think um I have mentioned something that I think what is that segues us onto like a net another topic quite well so I'm for mention accountability and how like mm-hmm. if you have a certain distance from the person you call, you call your spiritual parent, your spiritual mom, dad, etc. Um, there's a lack of accountability because of the sort of the stakes of that parasocial relationship as she as she framed it. So mm-hmm. like in the wider context of like church, church communities, how, when, why do you think we, we meaning like individuals or a part of a congregation or a church team, whatever your position is, should hold leaders accountable? Again, so like why, how, when do you think if ever should leaders be held accountable on a personal and as well as like on a public scale in terms of like not just like personal grievances between you and them but maybe something that they do or represent about the church or about your faith um on a more public sphere in a more public sphere i think like right off the jump the the thought that came to my mind was that if someone is holding them selves out to be a spiritual leader or they are a leader and it's like you're stepping forward onto that pulpit and saying yep god has called me to this position firstly like trust and believe that person is very much accountable to god so that's just what Mm. i wanted to to preface um but also i think especially if the issue is something to do with them kind of misconstruing the word of God, like actually teaching stuff that's unbiblical and using that to like either manipulate people, extort money, whatever the end goal is. Like, I think we, we definitely have a, a duty to like hold people accountable and to, mm-hmm. I, I think that takes a lot of bravery as well because of the level of trust and, and even faith, maybe faith with a small F that people put into their, into their pastors and things like that. But I think we need to be careful not to excuse stuff and give the benefit of the doubt when things are clearly um unbiblical and like wrong and abusive and maybe even illegal um (laughs) i think that's why jesus was so strong when he like rebuked pharisees and stuff like that he didn't mince his words because i think he wanted to convey to us the the severity of holding yourself out to be a representative of god and then using that to like abusing that position sorry yeah yeah but in terms of how that's this tricky one isn't it it's always mm-hmm. a how i think right okay i was gonna say like in light of like somewhat recent events um in like public past in like the public pastor space i feel like mm, being on twitter or x social media and being like this is despicable blah 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 has its I always go back and forth with it because it's just like, mm. Mm, even if they're not your personal pastor or whatever, or you tune into, I think one, if you don't tune into a pastor regularly and all the comments that you ever have to say about them are the, the bigger <laughs> false prophet of any kind or being ridiculous or uh, perpetuating X negative aspect of the religion. I just think probably that's unnecessary because like we got it the first time, do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, but I think on a on a sort of if you watch them regularly and you are genuinely taken aback by X Y Z or you've seen comments about something that they did or said and you want to engage with that, I feel like 
I try to make it personal. Like for me, I'd be like, would I want this to be said about my own pasta of like the congregation congregation that of the church that I attend, whether I'm at uni or I'm at home in Atlanta. Um, and if I wouldn't say that about them, if I'd be hesitant to like use that language towards them, either on a public or private sphere, then I just probably would withhold that. And I think also the Holy Spirit can be accountability enough, at least from the outside of looking in, if I don't mm-hmm. have that relationship with them. I was watching a video the, like literally yesterday about a babe who was commenting. She was talking about a whole bunch of stuff, but she mentioned like um, something that happened with one pastor um, and she was like, she felt compelled to pray for like their family and like she has a platform. And so I guess she could have gone on and on about how they represented this or did X, Y, Z wrong. And she didn't mention them by name. So I, I won't act like she didn't. Um, but I think like just having that wisdom to be like prayer is also something that you can totally tap into mm. when something is going a bit haywire, um, on a personal level, fam, I don't know. How do you, how do you come to your pastor and say what you just said was blasphemous? Like, can you say that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know because sometimes it needs to be said. <laughs> I think um, I just found a Bible verse. This isn't the um, this is not the the Bible version that I preferred, but um, it says it's Galatians six one. Brothers, mm. if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Yeah, and I think the spirit of gentleness, and I think we have to remember that just because they're pastors and they've they've obviously been um been put in this level or this vocation, and obviously comes with great responsibility, doesn't mean that they're subject to abuse if they ever get something wrong. Period. Mm. Period. And it, just as you would want a brother to correct you, or you would correct your brother. I think the same, yeah, in love. You you can offer that same love to pastors and stuff. But if, especially if it's, I didn't. I feel like if things are blasphemous, then there's a place for correction, and there's always a place of correction. Mm-hmm. I think it it becomes very tricky when it's like pride of like a pastor, especially if if it's like a big pastor, a pastor that's been preaching very um like several years and you mm-hmm. feel like you can't really correct them that type of thing mm. but ultimately you have to think like what 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 is the purpose of this mm. of i think it, it applies to everything like in just in life but like if your purpose to, is to just rebuke them make them feel bad for their actions and what they've done or to just attract more attention towards the past and what they've done wrong so more people yeah. can abuse them like mm. is that a christ-like thing because that's what the pharisees used to do when people were sinned they'll put them Stone in the them. village center right. so everyone wow. can see and everyone else can rebuke them mm. so i think we have to be careful with ourselves as well so good i think it's always about kind of like praying for a spirit of like discernment and I mean that Mm -hmm. in terms of like discerning what each situation warrants because Mm -hmm. like I think there's also levels to it like there's certain times where I'm like yeah this don't need to be said like this person just needs grace like ultimately they just need prayers or you know they're a human they make mistakes just because they're called bishop or deacon or you know (laughs) apostle 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 
it doesn't mean that they've got everything ironed out and that they have no room for grace in their lives because the same grace that's you know saving me who's like i'm such a sinner lord is saving them even though they have this title yeah at the same yeah. time like there's defo levels to it though and yeah. i feel like there are some people who are using the trust of their congregation and stuff for like really wrong purposes and i think mm-hmm. when it gets to that point i think maybe it it takes like a body of people to be more bold about how to hold people accountable and in what way and in a way that's kind of like this definitive but still christ-like you know what i mean we mentioned that we might touch a little bit on church hurt if it's a thing where there's a situation where there are kind of victims per se not -hmm. just kind of directing all your attention to how can we tear down the abuser also thinking like what can we do for the people who are affected by this in our congregation and are we paying as much attention to like making sure that they're okay and fixing things Mm. in a way that means that they'll feel like protected in the future do you know what i mean Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i was gonna say i think on the wider top like we this whole episode is about like church dynamics and power dynamics and i think when it comes to accountability or sometimes the issues I think maybe in smaller congregations and maybe to an extent in larger ones I'm not privy to that so I don't know is the fact that like, people don't have adequate organization like mm. the church is a body and I know that it looks drastically different than the early church but like when we're having things like people on staff and like this person is a minister and or a pastor of this or that there needs to be a certain level of like organization and I think most churches do have that like boards or whatever that are yeah. representative of not only like the church's interests but also like um the congregation and feedback because I think it's I personally think it's a bit disrespectful to be like me as a individual I, this is just me like this is my person this is my uh perspective to be like oh I don't like what my pastor said so I need to go find the pastor or the pastor's wife and tell them straight to their face xyz like mm. little anecdote I went to this um I was obviously in Atlanta for the winter break and I went to this like little Christmas carol situation spectacular shall we call it in the city <laughs> um and uh, the music was super, super loud, like really loud, but it's sort of typical of like that sort of like church event. So I expected it, but it was particularly loud on that day. But again, I was used to that. So I expected it. And I went to go sit down with my little cousin cause we were standing in standing seats, but she wanted to sit down. So I went to go sit down with her and the people I sat next to, they were like, Ugh, the people, the seats that you've just taken. And I don't mean to mock them. I just mean like, this is literally how exasperated the <laughs> lady sounded. She was like, Ugh, the people that whose seats you've just taken. She was not mad at me. She was like, they've just gone to find the pastor to tell him that the music is far too loud. One of them works in like sound music technology and he has one of the like decibel meters on his phone. Why he was carrying that around is beyond me. He's got one of the decibel meters on his phone and it's like, it's telling us that if all the people in here, if they're in here for more than 15 minutes with this level of noise, they're gonna have permanent ear damage. She's like, I can't even handle it. Like God loves her so much. Big up her for literally caring about the well-being of so many people. (laughs) But I was just literally thinking to myself in a big theater. You who came as a guest for an event is looking for the pastor who at present is on the stage. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Apply this question. Like it's very much giving case by case basis. Do you know what I mean? So I think like in that regard, like sometimes we just need to cool it as individuals. But yeah, I think just to summarize what I was going to say about Winnipeg's point, yeah, I think having adequate church organization and clear avenues of being like, oh, you express your mm. uncertainty. And that can look like 
if you're a leader of like a collective or a small group, like I am as a leader of like a student collective at our church that we go to here in Cambridge. So I'm hoping that like if people had a question about something that the pastor said in a service today, they'd be able to ask her about it and she could ask the person who she sort of speaks to about it and they can ask whoever needs to be asked about it opposed to them being like, and I'm going to go straight to the church email or DM and like, you know, and rant in there. Or blast them online. I also think that that only works if, because when we talk about like church power structures and hierarchies, I don't just think it's like the physical, like the organization or the structures. Mm. It's also like there's a mindset thing in there. And I feel like this only works if people feel comfortable enough to be open about them sort of things, but also if they understand that they themselves kind of can hear from God in the same way that a pastor can hear from God or that they can be connected to the source in the same way that the pastor is connected to the source and that they understand that they are not kind of inferior in lots of ways, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And because sometimes I think that people might have questions about their church leadership or the way things are being done, but they think, oh, but who am I to say anything? I'm just da 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 Or like, oh, obviously they know better than me because da 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 But I think that that requires a spirit of openness for that to work. Yeah, Hanja, that's very true. And I think fostering that is much harder than putting in place like the actual structures because you can have a complaints committee or whatever or a church board but if it's just people going there to like to be sycophants the whole Mm -hmm. time because they feel like that spiritual father is the christ reincarnated then there's nothing to do you know yeah i know that's so true and our last question as we mentioned before when some of the church power structures are misused it can lead to um exploitation and things Mm. of that nature and result in people being hurt from the actions of members of the church and leading to church hurt some people have strayed or left the church and some people have Mm. left the faith um Mm. due to these so how would you respond to someone that has who feels church hurt it's tough because i I understand that what they're feeling is probably so deep and so valid. Mm -hmm. And I can't turn around and be like, oh, just, you know, just come back. Like, (laughs) you know, like, don't hate the messenger. Like, focus on the message. Because it's so much easier said than done. And like, I feel like the, the first thing to do is to begin from a place of empathy as far as you can. Mm but beyond that i don't know because i'd be like i i get it like (laughs) i'd be like you know what fair enough fair enough mate i get why you left Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean so that's Mm -hmm. where i'm like maybe you guys can advise me (laughs) i think i totally agree with um with what wanipa said i think i'm trying to think right now of like instances that we would maybe understand to be church hurt in um in scripture um or like people who just sort of had beef with one another um i know was it paul and timothy had beef was it paul and Mm. timothy yes it was or was it paul and silas i always get confused and then they decided like to go Mm -hmm. their separate ways Mm -hmm. 
Uh, was it Paul and Timothy? I didn't think it was Silas. I don't think it was Silas. Silas was the one in the prison who they were singing. Anyway, that's besides the point. <laughs> that's besides the point. So I think it of them and how they went their separate ways. So I think like leaving a place is actually not bad. I think mm. it becomes uh, problematic. I hate that word, but you know, whatever. When it's just like, someone so says something mean to me and yeah. And I don't think people are that flippant about it. But I think like if you're expecting a perfect church, my pastor always used to say that. If you're if you enter find a perfect church, don't join it because you'll ruin it because there's literally nobody who's perfect. And one way or another, like everyone's <laughs> someone's opinion is like everyone's gonna like get on your nerves. Like there are churches that I love that like somebody said something either to me personally or on the platform that I'm like that was rude or like oh I didn't like how they said that or that could have been that made me feel some type of way. Um, and I mean it's not I don't mean to that to I don't mean to compare like my small I guess grievances with like other people's deeper issues of like manipulation or gaslighting or abuse or whatever it may be but again I think it's totally okay to like leave a place I think part of church hurt I think part of the part of the healing that comes with church hurt potentially is reimagining or like tweaking or like re-understanding what church leadership looks like in the first place um because I think all of the if 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 me myself if I was experiencing church or if I had experienced it in a on a deeper level, I think the first thing that I would need to understand or the first thing that maybe God would lead me to understand is that like who, that person who hurt me, whether it's like a, a companion or more like a mentor or even a pastor figure is not God. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think I need to like step back and re- and understand, like, okay, like that person was like leading me or helping me understand more of God in a specific capacity, but they aren't God because mm-hmm. I'm speaking to God right now and they're help- God is helping me get over it. Like, you know what I mean? Um, and so I think that's something that would definitely need to happen. Like, I definitely need to first re-understand who God is in a specific capacity. Maybe so that I have a bit, not thicker skin, because I don't want to be, like, the victim of whatever has happened has to be, like, ready to square up. But I just think, like, having a more settled understanding of, like, okay, you're my leader, you're my pastor, but I don't expect you to be infallible. And so if and when you do do something that slightly accosts my, I don't know, however I feel or yeah, is offensive to me. I have the self-assuredness, not only in my, not really my identity, but in like who I understand God to be, to not mm. allow it to spin my jewel. Do you know what I mean? Mm. If it doesn't need to spin my jewel. Some things definitely need to spin your jewel in terms of like- Hundreds. <laughs> yeah, like abuse. And God is wanting to spin jewel with you. Don't worry. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, at least for me, that's my advice, I guess. I don't mm. know if that's advice really, but that's my perspective, my approach. I feel church hurt is quite hard because every person's experience is different. Mm-hmm. But and forgiveness seems easier said than done, especially if it's like if it's uh, exploitation of your trust in someone. Mm-hmm. Sorry, you just reminded me of something. I think it's also like because we didn't we like sort of just mentioned forgiveness but i think like when we say things like oh pray for your enemies da, 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 that i just called the person that hurt you your enemy maybe they are your oh i don't know your nemesis <laughs> your arch nemesis i feel like praying for somebody i genuinely think me personally not even in the church or just more like people i have beef with or have had beef with praying for somebody really does help me but not even in the way like god i hope they have a good day i'll be like god you know what they, what they said was rude as 
has like was so crazy or they did this to me and I'll be like and I think they were so crazy that they said this and you know what something about that too and I always knew but then I'm also <laughs> just like at the end of the day but father they're also your creation so help me not to be bitter and I think sometimes <laughs> our prayer can like look like that it doesn't have to be like and father I pray that they have a good day and I right like it's so you don't have to be fake you know with I mean? God like you don't think God already heard you cussing them out as soon as they said the thing now you want to come and be fake to God's face talking about you hope they had a good day. You didn't hope they had a good day. But it's okay to acknowledge that and say that you want to be able to feel that at some point, you know? Yeah, exactly. So I think, like, it's uh, giving your space, like, the, yourself the time to, like, process through that forgiveness in a way that is, like, genuine and, again, leads to a self-assuredness that enables you to, like, be just, like, more chill with, like, how humans can be in and outside of the church is probably a good place to start. Mm. I, yeah, I definitely agree with all that. I think all I'll just say is like to agree with Ayanfe and say that it's tough without being able to know or understand every specific instance because I think there's Mm -hmm. definitely like the type of church hurt which is just like, oh, it's politics, it's drama, like people getting too involved, people wanting their say, like, you know, people falling out about, you know, how to fund the building of the church roof. Do you know what I mean? Like stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of like, yeah. really, Aunt Mabel, like you you didn't need to have it your way. You know, Uncle Frank, you didn't need to have it your way. Da, da, da. But then there's like stuff which is much deeper, which I can't even begin to like fathom. Yeah, yeah. So it's mm. kind of like, I mean, there's there's things that are out of our control, but all we can do is exercise what we do have, which is just love and compassion and try to be there for people as much mm-hmm. as possible. And yeah, it's hard. It's okay. God still loves you. Don't forsake. What's it? Don't forsake. <laughs> Don't forsake the, is it the brethren? The gathering? I feel like my dad says that that's not, a, like that might not even be a scripture the, kind of thing. The, Someone actually read that last it time. It is, yeah. In the last episode. Oh, then, I big did. up my... Yeah, I have they read it. memory. Oh, they good. <laughs> so, yeah, don't let these people make you feel like God don't love you. God does love you. Don't worry. He'll deal with them. Yeah, that part. Mm-hmm. Swiftly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the last time I said God would deal with you about someone, stuff that was happening in their life, so I didn't see it oh, <laughs> Life and death is in the power of the tongue. <laughs> It's giving prophetess God, I am no. fate. Let me keep it in my good books, child, before she starts predicting and procuring things to happen in my life. No, but actually, let, no, like, no, I'm not even trying to be funny, but actually, let go deal with them because, like, if you actually need to be dealt with, then so be it. Well, I'm not going to lie. Vengeance is his, says the Lord. It is the Lord. <laughs> so worry not. Worry not. But that you person, know what? Who, wherever they are. Actually, what, okay. something I just remembered, which is like, like actually serious one of my favorite scriptures has always been exodus 14 14 the lord will fight for you you need to only be still and i think like we were talking in my most recent sabbath school no two weeks ago about reconceptualizing that i reconceptualizing the idea of what it means to be resilient and to stand firm and to deal with the storms of life because like mm. i think we often feel like things happen to us or we fall out with people and the onus is on us to firstly like to deal with it and get over it and to be strong and then to like either forgive them or to like cut them off and you know and that scripture kind of reminds us like we remain still it's god who does the fighting it's god who does the healing it's god who does the restoring i think if you're in a position where you feel like you have been hurt and you're just kind of feeling like you have to soldier on like actually don't like just rest it's okay to 
to let God fight for you in that situation. No, yeah, that's so true. But yeah. So guys, I feel like another um, aspect of this conversation that I wanted us to have is sort of um, reframing the way that we see ourselves as members of the body of Christ. Because I think the other thing that we need to be mindful of when it comes to kind of power structures in church is that it can maybe lead to us falsely thinking that the only role that we can play is to be kind of attendees of church and to just kind of like passively go there to absorb but I think realizing that even having the realization that church leaders aren't perfect people they're just people who have been called by God and who've been given you know a calling on their hearts a mandate whatever a message like that same thing can be true for you as well and even if you don't hold a formal position in the church I think don't be afraid to get up and get involved with things and and you know figure out what your ministry might be because god can use you just as well as he's used them even if that doesn't mean even if that even if that doesn't look like you having a specific title or role or position and i think once we kind of reconceptualize church as a body of people growing together that creates kind of this spirit of openness which which means that accountability is easier because everyone has this recognition I can't speak today this recognition that everyone is doing something important and that everyone has value intrinsically because of Christ yes I think that's the end of today's episode Uh, let us know what you think as always we'll have quest what's it called polls Mm -hmm. Q&A's and We'll have Q&As and polls on our Spotify if you want to play along. And as always, our DMs are open on Instagram and Twitter if you use Twitter. Um, But you can always find us on all social media at Let God Podcast. And yeah, make sure you tune in to our weekly game. And we'll see you next episode. Bye. Bye.